Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f- shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f- houses for f- 10 years. Stevie McDonald, uh, welcome back to the show. I heard you were asked on Twitter last night, did you get the bullet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what a wee bit of absence does. You can categorically deny Stevie did not get the bullet. Um, he's back in the mix today on a very big weekend for Armagh, but we're going to uh, talk about that in part two. We'll focus on Armagh and Cavan. I want to start off here, lads, giving John Horan a bit of bloody credit because sometimes we can be very critical of the GA hierarchy and I'm not going to talk about the tier two because that's an irrelevance to me. He's talking about fixing the fixtures. So he was talking this week and he said, when I took over as president, I promised that in summer 2019 to put a group together to take a look at the overall schedule and fixture programming that we offer within the organisation. Key to that is to give clubs an opportunity that they would have a meaningful programme on the ground. And Eddie Sullivan former Secretary General within the Public Service I'm not sure about uh, Public Service it doesn't work too well but anyways um, he's being appointed as the Chairman of this committee he's a former Chairman of his club in St. Sylvester so he obviously has a GA background importantly here the CPA and GPA will each have a representative on the committee and other members from other sectors second level will have a representative third level will and from within the organisation itself people who have an understanding of the fixture programme there's no silver bullet for this and it would be easily solved if it was easily solved it would be a long time ago I think it's easily solved um, but I do think it, it, it's probably complex but I think once there's a will which there is now mm. um, I don't think there had been a will but this is fantastic this is what we've been calling for for a long time for everyone to get in a room let's trash this out and it's important to have CPA, GPA second, third level all those but importantly too to have people within the organisation itself who know 
who have experience trying to plan out these fixture schedules because like without all of them working together you won't come up with a solution I'm delighted with this I'm delighted with it one thing that's confusing me is why John Horan is trying to push through his tier one at the end of this year before that uh, committee gives their recommendations for an overall structure like I I think John Horan wants his legacy to be that he got into tier two because yeah. it doesn't make sense for him to get to, to push in a tier two this year and to not ahead of what recommendations do you know what I mean this committee I'm sure they, they, they might come up with a tier two themselves but how does it fit into their um, new season yeah and how does it like affect Parry Duffy's whole proposal that he spent a lot of time working oh, well, on oh that's gone this, that's gone this, this, this mm-hmm. whole Super 8's proposal is going to be in its third year next year yeah. so this we're looking at this committee bringing forward recommendations I'm sure for Congress next year for a new for a new championship structure in 2021 yeah well it is you're right it's, it's good to um, it's good to hear John Horn say that they are going to get in the room and they are going to look at this and I do think it probably is more easily solved than, than he thinks like you know and maybe they will realise that when they're there but it's going to take a bit of a bit more boldness like you know they actually say right we just need to get rid of something here yeah. or we shouldn't have seven weeks to run off the provincial championship or three weeks between the Ulster final and the Super 8 there's these gaps everywhere which affects the clubs and affects all the other competitions so they just need to be a bit more bold and like uh, hopefully when they are in this room that somebody will, will raise these points yeah and they have a blank canvas which is the most important thing uh, Stevie Michal Brody from the CPA said the whole idea that John Horn has committed to us is that there's no competition and no game that will not be looked at in this review so there's no sacred cow there's yeah. nothing that John Horn has said to them well the provincials have to say everything's on the table yeah. which is fantastic as well yeah certainly and <clears throat> listen uh, it might be more complex than what we we make it out to be but um, it's finally good to see representation from all different spectrums getting around the table and putting the committee together and fair play to John Horn for doing so and and finally getting the opportunity to sit down over the course of the summer months to, to pull it out there and see what type of solutions they do come up with because it is a, an ongoing problem we've spoke about it often enough here it is a, a pet head of, of your own uh, Wallies and um, it'd be nice to see some kind of solutions put out there for, for people to view and have their opinion on anyway yeah this uh, for me this this has been a campaign that I've been the minute I started working in media this is mm-hmm. something that really pissed me off that needed to be changed and I think it was 2011 2012 I first sat on a GPA committee to come up with championship proposals and whatever I find it funny that there's still people coming up with their championship proposals that day is gone now so now it's in the it's in the power of these different uh, different groups the CPA the third level the GPA all of them to come up with them we know CPA have three proposals one of them is mine which is uh, not up for debate it is my it is my <laughs> okay. it is my one that's fact anyways I would love for that you one should to get definitely in. be chairman of that CPA. one is because I saw Kieran Donaghy come out this week and he had a proposal that was very similar to mine and Kevin McStay was talking in the Times uh, this week about championship proposal and it was like that kind of ship has sailed this is fantastic news this week like, you know what I mean let's stop coming up with them it's not in our hands mm-hmm. it's not in anybody's hands anymore outside of the people these stakeholders that's the, the word I was looking for but it's, it, it is interesting Michal Brody was asked about um, 
John Horan's tier two and he says it seems to be with the powers that be that's what they want John Horan has announced this one of the things he wants to get through in his presidency within his term that's where it's going but he did say that John Horan's tier two has to fit in with what they what they want do you know what I mean that there has to be some sort of consultation between the two and if John Horan John Horan obviously like I said he wants his legacy to be he was the president that got into tier two and that's fine fine with that like I mean if he wants to push that that's okay but absolutely can't be pushed through if if it's one unless it fits in with yeah, what they're yeah. what they're planning. It's just push through at whatever cost. Like you know, your idea for a tier two is like a, a league thing, but that means getting rid of the provincial championship. Exactly. Orders, you know. Exactly. And if he pushed it through and kept the provincial championship, you know, like Kerry still aren't even in the bloody championship yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they haven't played, and well, if he keeps that, uh, we know yeah. all that. We know yeah. all that. There's no, loads. Yeah, there's loads of different ways mm-hmm. of having a tier two. So that's the point. So I mean, it would be selfish of him to push it through and yeah. keep everything as yeah. it is, just it, to say I pushed it through. It's important to know that that's not what's. You know what I mean? It has to fit in with what their what their um, remit is which is fantastic another interesting one um, I was reading this week is that this is a pure anomaly and this is GA rules that we talk about a lot on the show and uh, you know the way yellow cards don't carry over into extra time it's a new game and this yeah. is like this happens no in no other sport that I know of it's just a pure GA rule that it's a brand new game the extra time you're back you could be down to 12 men and then you're back yeah. to 15 yeah. <laughs> but ticks don't ticks do follow on into extra time which is a right. really bizarre one so this happened in the in the Kildare Longford match at the weekend so uh, Keen O'Neill was joking to reporters afterwards he was saying that um, it was Ben McCormack had received a tick in normal time and he was told that carried over into extra time but yellow cards didn't and uh, was it I think uh, Kildare were down to 40 men and they got back to 15 but Ben McCormack's tick carried through you couldn't make this kind of stuff yeah, up you would think uh, I, being issued a card is, is worth more than yeah. uh, what a tick is worth and then you know carrying a tick over that's a bit a bit ridiculous. Bit of a weird one. I don't yeah. think we'll ever. I don't think we'll ever get uh, too much controversy out of it. But it's just. No. A, it's just no, a little it's one of the yeah, intricacies yeah. of the GEA um, rules. Another co- comment I saw um, from Paul Geeney. So he was doing media recently, and he was uh, on different uh, websites. He was talking about this, and I had to laugh when I was reading it. He said, probably at the start, he's talking about the start of his career. He says, probably at the start, I suppose you're looking at it, saying Kerry have won. Um, one All-Ireland every two years and I'm 20 and I'm going to play for 10 years so I'm going to win at least five All-Irelands <laughs> but it doesn't work like that right because I remember being in Minute with Alan Brogan and Alan would have been a cocky young fella and he was like listen listen this is just mathematics Dublin have won an All-Ireland in every decade I'm if this is 1999 I'm going to win an All-Ireland <laughs> in the noughties before I finish as it turns out he didn't Not it was the, the first yeah, decade, yeah. That, decade that they didn't <laughs> but he had to wait until a few years later to win yeah. to end up winning three but isn't it mad how fellas from these traditional counties might even think I'm going to win an All-Ireland this will happen look at the history of All-Irelands I'm going to win them <laughs> I mean well, it's, well, it's Conan, actually Conan, we're ending up All-Ireland success again in 50 or 60 years <laughs> well, you've, only, you've only both won once that's so what that, I'm saying well, in 50 or 60 years there's, there's, years there's, no, like there's no there's no sequence you've got yeah. we have one you every 100 years in, in the next 130 years we, we okay, share you've got one, one every 130 years yeah. so maybe your great 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 grandchildren <laughs> are guaranteed <laughs> <laughs> um, Martin Brettany um, finally got his his chance to sew it into the Mayo footballers anyway so we know um 
we know he's been kind of very quiet about Mayo because he ran the he broke the story about the two managers now this is such old news that he really went to town on them and then Mayo made him look very foolish by you know almost beating the greatest team that arguably has ever played the game in two All-Ireland finals so he was kind of shut up and had to lick his wounds and and looked a bit silly but obviously he has his opportunity now after uh, Mayo lost the other night in a game that they you know you could argue that they dominated a lot of it so he's back he's playing the old Connolly and Holmes card it's again unbelievable. <laughs> so, news, yeah, so he says almost four years on you wonder if the players who drove the heave ever reflect on whether they were wrong in their quieter moments perhaps while revisiting the many failures by the narrowest, narrowest of margins do they ever conclude that the problem rests with them not management um he said as it happened the wait was short as the two men who had given massive service to Mayo football over many years made another uh, made another generous contrib- contribution by resigning rather than prolonging the controversy it was player power in its ugliest form as the squad knew that however long it took they would get their way what is that got to do with like I mean is that not ship not sailed at this stage so he then then he goes on to blame them for Rochford leaving he says the squad silence as Stephen Rochford went through an uncomfortable time before eventually deciding to walk away last December didn't exactly strengthen his case <laughs> silence can sometimes tell more than statements yeah. so the statement was bad originally coming <laughs> out against Holmes and Connolly so, yeah, so if you come out and you criticise the manager you're a disgrace you're upstairs if you say nothing <laughs> you're a disgrace yeah. <laughs> nothing changes it's absolutely brilliant like I mean how can he get away with writing this like I mean Jesus Christ did Pat Holmes write it like it looks like you know one of the managers wrote it themselves just let it go everybody's moved on from that like I mean and anyways we know that these players like lots of people talk about players taking control of dressing rooms and that is the analysis from what I heard in the dressing room with Connolly and Holmes that that was those good performances under them were player led mm-hmm. so like I mean stop giving Holmes and Connolly so much credit for that for for their performances under him ha, under them has anybody in the last three four years like apart from Martin thought Jesus you know what they could have done with Pat Holmes and Noel Connolly in there like there was nothing no one. do you know like what what were they bringing extra that the, like Stephen Rochford wasn't or James Horne isn't yeah such a strange strange sort of one thing it's to a stra- after all the water has gone under yeah. the bridge after that you think that, that w- that's buried and those players showed that that decision was the right one with, and as with you say, Rochford yeah, they, coming they, they in they got the two All-Iron Finals should have won both yeah should have won both yeah. yeah exactly right so James Horne has been talking this week as well he says we're out of the Connick Championship but we're still in the competition We'll work very hard for the next time we play. Killian O'Connor, Seamus O'Shea, Fionn McDonough and Donny Vaughan. They're just five or six days away, so they are very close. So, like, I mean, when you look at it with Mayo, um, you put Killian O'Connor in that full forward line, you put Seamus O'Shea in midfield, put Aidan in the forwards, you put Fionn McDonough wing forward and Donny Vaughan wing back. You're making a huge change to your team. You're yeah. bringing you're, all of a sudden you've she, Aidan O'Shea and Killian O'Connor in the forwards who have both been out of it. Andy Moran's been out of it, so their best three forwards in those All Ireland runs were all out of the forwards. Yeah, and then you've got uh, Seamus O'Shea in midfield uh, with um, Young Ruan. Um, and then you've got Donny Vaughan marauding from wing back. So, like, I mean, they weren't at full strength, and their team will change. And this is the thing we're saying on Monday. 
all these new faces on the Mayo team if they were good enough to have been there last year you don't point in changing the team mm-hmm. just for the sake of it the team that almost beat the greatest team of all time is Mayo's best team yeah, <laughs> you yeah. can mess around with it all you want but that's the reality yeah and listen this time last the last week I was looking at rankings for each county and Mayo were sitting at number one so oh Martin Brettany's rankings were they I, I don't know who, who you know. <laughs> he, <laughs> loves a, he loves a but, rank you know <laughs> they were sitting at number one so that hasn't dramatically changed in the space of, of one before performance you know yes they should have possibly beat Roscommon but you know they were missing key players as well and no team can afford to miss key players apart from Dublin you know let's be honest they are the only team that can actually replace top quality players like Seamus O'Shea Donny Vaughan players like that there and with that type of experience of playing championship football Mayo my concern for them though is yes I still believe they're going to be in the Super 8 they're going to be in the mix but they've got a long road to get that are uh, from mm. Nile Land, and you know it's how they structure their own training preparations from Nile Land, and that's going to be very important for for James Horn to get that um, really nailed on. Yeah, no, I think so. We we won't talk too much about Mayo because we talked about them on Monday, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about them again. They're not playing this weekend. Westmead GA have appointed Patrick Doherty as the county's head of operations. It's another thing that I've been saying for here for a long time is that each each individual county board in the country should appoint a chief executive officer like Dublin, use the Dublin model who has business expertise who can run a business. Now I'm not too sure about Patrick Doherty's background because I checked his uh, his LinkedIn and it just says that he was the Games GEA Administration and National Match Officials Coordinator since yeah. 2008 for the last 11 years. So I don't know, like it's a decent bit of experience. So his new role will be liaising with county management and overseeing the day-to-day running of the GEA in Westmead on a full-time basis. So that makes so much sense. It's a business. Yeah. Part-timers can't do it. Part-timers yeah. with no experience in this in this field cannot do it. Therefore, county boards are all struggling financially because the business is not being run efficiently. There isn't even a full-time member of staff. (laughs) Like there's a secretary whose main role would be fixtures and, you know, things like that. It's not actually running the business side of it. And it's just so obvious to me. The one county board that's run brilliantly is Dublin because they have a chief executive officer full-time. And they have been able to develop marketing roles within the organisation and they have 16 different uh, sponsors and partners and now we know Dublin's the most glamorous but who's to say that on a lower level Leash or Westmead couldn't have all these partners and you know couldn't have all these different um, uh, companies sponsoring them and giving them yeah. something like that model should be copied absolutely and there is financial restraints on all county boards so there is so if there uh, yes there's a wage then to pay if they're um, I suppose providing that type of to employment to somebody itself. but it will pay for itself um, Armagh are currently looking for an operations manager as well I've seen them advertising this week Very you good. know um, Brian Mallon I think was in a similar post to he that he was there. in a coaching he no, was head th- of coaching I think was he not, no? Brian Mallon was maybe overlooking operations so I don't know what the situation is there whether he's moved on or whatever but um, I've seen that they have um, come out and advertised the vacancy this week um, you know as I said if you have the right person in promoting your county your county teams getting the right type of endorsements coming in the door yeah. then certainly it's going to pay for itself you know you have to take a more professional uh, approach to um, how a county board is set up and the county boards that will gain the most success um, and be rewarded uh, will be the ones that have the foresight to go ahead and I suppose employ somebody with with 
you know a clear vision for the county clear vision exactly a clear vision a clear strategy and being able to implement that and get everybody and delegate to all the the part-timers then yeah. this is what I want you to do and as someone who's overseeing the whole thing and is able to improve it because the Derry County Board Treasurer Michael Hassan has resigned um, the county is reportedly suffering from financial difficulties so there's this the report says that he had um other commitments wasn't it it wasn't necessarily because of these financial difficulties but our other work commitments but he was supposed to serve a five-year uh stint um he stepped down right is that it no, no did he uh, not come in um, he came in late sorry else, he yeah. came in he, late for somebody else wasn't yeah it? he's done five years but um he wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to do this year but they couldn't get filled so he stepped yeah. in so he stepped in um, right and like yeah, the report it, it says I think it was in the Irish News. It says uh, there were several sources that said it was an impossible job because yeah they were losing so much money. And in fairness to Derry, like they are, they're trying to do things right. Like they're trying to spend money in the county teams and the underage teams, and they do it fairly across hurling and football. Like you know, they do proper investment in both. Yeah. And it's just the strain is very high. They're talking about spending six hundred thousand this year, which is up from four eight four in two thousand and eighteen. I think the spend per month at the minute is sixty seventy k. Like that's seventy eight thousand serious money going out each month is yeah. if you don't have it coming in then it's going to put pressure on anybody in, yeah. in a job like that there as that's, important as that that's the thing so the county's net cash flow decreased from 93,000 in 2018 leaving their cash reserves at just 3,659 so down down 97,000 something from the previous year so they're obviously got serious cash flow problems I don't know how county boards can raise that kind of money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not e- it's not easy. Every year there's a new expert in the backroom team that needs to be paid. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the reality of it. And then you've got uh, the travelling expenses are a huge drain. But that's it. It's gone so professional now that it's put such a strain on county boards. They're just like, I mean, I think they're all at breaking point. Yeah, and sometimes it, it's so fickle to depend on a, a winning team that comes along and maybe helps the county generate a bit more money. Like... I always remember I used to work in Donegal and I was covering this event. It was a, a team in Inishion and they were doing a fundraising event for Donegal training expenses and they didn't have any players on the panel. They were just doing a whole fundraising event for them. So clubs find it hard enough to make money yeah. and they were fundraising to hand it all over to Jim McGuinness yeah. for training expenses for the right. Donegal team. But that was because Donegal had sort of captured the imagination of the whole county you know, so they were all happy to help and Derry haven't had that in a while maybe that's what it takes sometimes a team to sort of break through the wall yeah yeah exactly two things that are really pissing me off at the moment um, one is Jim Gavin being asked about Dear McConnelly's uh, return <laughs> leave him alone like stop asking that after every single game like I mean someone will get the scoop on that if it happens but like Jim Gavin isn't going to break that uh, in the yeah, not after, a after the game no. and even when he says the usual the door's always open why is that being reported on? Like, yeah. I mean, that's that's no different to the two weeks yeah. before. It's just the door's open. Jim Gavin must be sick of it. I'm surprised he's still answering it. Like, seriously, <laughs> give it a break. Dear McConnelly, if he's back, he's back. If he's not, he's not. Stop going on and on about it. Yeah. And I don't want to read from Jim Gavin ever again that the door's open for Dear McConnelly. <laughs> like, Christ almighty, leave that go. Another thing that's pissing me off recently is Peter Keane being asked about Dublin. So Peter Keane's not going to answer that question. Like, I mean, they've lost the league final to Mayo. They're in a Munster championship. Dublin is a, a faraway dream. Yeah. Is, do you really think asking P- 
Peter Keane about Dublin he's going to say Jesus well I think we have a good chance against Dublin now when we get there <laughs> and all the headlines that will be associated with that so Peter Keane has developed a nice little tactic for answering these kind of stupid questions he says this was him asked about uh, Dublin so he says I remember learning to drive and I remember going out the main road it was kind of different then when you were learning to drive. I was inside the car with my father and we were driving out the road from Cahars Iveen and we were heading out to Valencia Island. We were at the Points Cross, which was only a short bit out. I started asking a question, which was about the road about two miles out. And he chewed me and he said, we'll worry about that when we get there. And at the moment, we'll worry about this. <laughs> right. And there you go. And I think there's another one as well, which is brilliant. Every manager should... Jim Gavin should just tell a stupid story yeah. when asked about Dear McConley, like Eric Cantona, the seagulls <laughs> follow the track. Yeah. What about the, the gay who used to manage Blackpool? He was brilliant for the stories. Um, Ian when, Yeah, no, not, not Dowie. No, uh, I can't remember his name. Superman for the stories afterwards. He just held him, yeah. Yeah, so he, this, this was another one. So he was... I think he was asked about maybe his captain or something like this. I'm not sure the context of this but this was just when he came into the job and he hadn't met the players or anything like that so he says I suppose I haven't even picked or I suppose I haven't even a panel picked so where would I start with that one without a panel it's like digging a field and you don't have a shovel we'll get the shovel first and then we'll start thinking about that one (laughs) (laughs) we'll come back with a bit of analysis I work as a policeman at Garda Sheikhana down, down the store street and I'm coming back out and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out and they're roaring to me, I got free, you free state bastard. <laughs> and, and, and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> So Stevie Rory Grugan was talking during the week here and he says our record has not been good against Cavan in Ulster Championship over the past few years so in that respect we will be up against it however we have to view this as a motivating factor so I had a look back thinking Jesus had they been beaten by Cavan they were beaten by Cavan in 2016 yeah. that was in Breffney Park a terrible performance mm-hmm. I think it was Geezer's first year out on his own and they beat Cavan in 2014 yeah. they're the only two more no, <laughs> kind two, of recent no 2000 13 as well Paul Grimley there was a bad defeat out over in Breffney Park as well right I didn't go back to 2013 yeah. so yeah, like no, I mean it hasn't it's not I think, like it's I think been very recent, one-sided no it hasn't been uh, probably it's 50-50 in, in the last decade or so but um, more recent performances uh, and, and that humiliation back in 2016 will always stick in the mind of that was the people. one yeah, yeah that was the one that was the really poor tactically they weren't at the races that yeah. day Armagh and like I mean they got their they got their comeuppance that's, that's when they put Paul Courtney and that's who would have yeah, been the goalie, yeah. player yeah. yeah yeah which is very good so like I mean this looks to be a 50-50 game really difficult one for me for me to even call Jason McLaughlin um, was talking from Cavan he says we let ourselves down in the past against the Monaghans the Tyrones the Donegals we're going into a match against Armagh and they'll hold no fear to us yeah. So, like, I mean, they're fighting. Ta- they're fighting words for Armagh. Ka- or Cav- for Armagh, Cavan have no fear of Armagh whatsoever, according to Jason McLaughlin. Yeah, and they're just probably right as well. You know, to have in their eyes beat a better team uh, going into the semi final. Monaghan have been one of the most consistent teams in the in in Ulster in particular in the last seven eight years. <clears throat> and you know, it was a huge obstacle for Cavan to overcome as well. Near neighbours as well. They nearly beat them last year, uh, by all accounts. But um, 
this year, you know, they got off to a great start. I think there's something special about Mikey Graham as a manager as well. I think he sets his teams up well, he gets them well motivated and he has them in, you know, in a good place mentally going into games like this as well. But Kevin certainly should have no reason to fear Armagh based on last performances as well. Kevin put in a good solid performance against a decent Monaghan team. Armagh weren't particularly impressive no. overcoming down. There's a lot of pressure on Armagh. That monkey yeah. is off Armagh's back now. Can yeah. we see Armagh letting the shackles off now? Well, well, the only thing is, listen, there has been a lot of pressure, more so on Kieran McGinney's shoulders and because he hadn't achieved Ulster success in, in any match in, in his tenure as, as Armagh manager to date until the last year against Down. But this particular Armagh team, for some reason over the last number of years, don't perform well when they are favourites going into a game and they are favourites going into the Down game. They always seem to put it, produce their best performances when they are going in as underdog. And <coughs> Kevin are going into this game as favourites. How are they going to uh, cope with that type of tag? How are Armagh going to cope as underdogs? And I believe the less pressure on this Armagh team, we get the best out of them. And I th- for that reason, I do think it's going to be a 50-50 game. Yeah, what do you think, Conan? I think, like, I mean, that's a, that's a big thing. Obviously, it's 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 just very close. It's not uh, Kavanagh favourites um, with Paddy Power. But, like, I mean, the, the thing with Armagh is, like, their forwards are their strongest unit, right? So they almost have to work back from that. But then Cavan are going to play that kind of 13 men behind yeah. the ball, two men up. How Armagh can actually be able to hold their shape to get the most out of their forwards, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I was just thinking, does that suit Armagh in a way as well? It leaves them less exposed. Like they don't need to worry about McManus or somebody destroying them at the other side. You know, They can still try and win the game with their forwards, even if it's going to be tight. And, and one of the things I, I sort of worry about Armagh it's hard to trust them like, yeah, you know, over yeah. the last few years now. <laughs> exactly. like, you look at their team and think yeah they're going to do it but, but one of the things that is sort of uh, making me lean towards them this year is the, the bench that they brought on against uh, Darren I think they've got 2-4 off the bench from yeah. it and like, he had Shields and Morgan and Mernon yeah but the problem Campbell is Campbell, like, Mernon come on and made a huge impact he'll start game, now right no he's not fully fit so he's not going to start um, down match was two weeks ago yeah two That's weeks ago cra- that match but will crown him he only came on the last 10 minutes of injury time you yeah. know and he's not if he had been anywhere near fit to play he hadn't played in any uh, National League games at all but this two year. weeks after coming on and yeah, playing I appreciate 10 minutes that, but, but it was a last call uh, last chance to loon for Armagh for Kieran McGinney to throw him in oh there. no so, I know that so yeah. You know, he made a massive, massive difference in the game, and he, he was definitely the difference with Armagh winning and losing that match. But I don't think he's fully fit yet, and I don't think, yes, he'll be stripped out and he'll be named in the subs, but I don't think he's going to start a fit Andrew Mernon all day long. You put him in there, absolutely. Right. A big plus for Armagh this weekend could be Niall Grimley could be back and, and, and fit and, and hopefully ready to start, and also Oshin O'Neill, brother of Ryan O'Neill, is back. Now he's played a couple of games for Cross McLean. That'll bring up his match sharpness to date. You know, he has been out injured for most of the, the season as well. So you but see Stephen Campbell being held in reserve then as well? I would be playing Stephen Campbell. He made a honest. big impact yeah. though. He I, seems to I hit the ground running, doesn't yeah, he? he? Does. Stephen Campbell for me is is a player who responds well to a wee bit of pressure. So he is he's a player that can turn it on and produce big scores when it matters most. And you know, 
I don't like to see a player of his ability with, with his finishing uh, powers to be sitting on the bench. I know it's great to have a player, you know, sprung from the bench that has the ability to turn a game, but I'd rather see Stephen Campbell start because I think the confidence that that can do for him, he's, he's the type of player that can maybe kick on and score five, six points then. So where does he fit in there, right? So, like, I mean, you'd imagine Armagh at all times will try and leave four forwards up there because yeah. they've so much <coughs> talent and they'd be stupid not to do that yeah. and they'll be trying to defend with everybody else then. So, like, I mean, Rory Grugan will probably play in front and three inside would the three inside be Rian O'Neill Jamie Clark and Stephen Campbell is that who you're looking at or like I mean wh- how do you see the shape you need that link man and Grugan's probably I, the best uh, well Rory didn't have his best day no, he the was last poor. day that, down. that wasn't a game that would suit him you know no, I appreciate that there but Rory knows and, and particularly as the captain of the team that he has to step up and and in games like this here like the Ulster Championship semi-final you know particularly when you're the underdog you need your leaders to step up and put in big performances so Rory's going to have that pressure on his shoulders to go in and do that this weekend I would have Stefan in the half forward line as well <clears throat> I think he's great at coming on to the play he's a big unit he, he's a presence for, for kickouts as well but you need he's not a working half forward though you're no, going to have to have two workers he's a there. creative half forward and he's he's got the ability <clears throat> to thread ball into the likes of uh, Ryan O'Neill or yeah but Stevie the, the Cavan half back line will be attacking you don't want him chasing them like I mean he's not going to do that role you're going to have to have two workers in the half forward line well, like, I mean, you, no I, that, that's what I would do I'm only saying what I would do <clears throat> Aidan Eugen's going to be at wing half forward Aidan Eugen put in a good shift on his debut the last day out yeah. scored so a point so he'll do that Jamar Hall then Jamar as well. Hall is also so going to be a winner so, so I agree that they'll be there so yeah. then Stephen Campbell doesn't fit in from based on the last day well for me personally I would be playing Stephen Campbell so I would you know and there's other players Ryan O'Neill um, is definitely going to start you yeah. know, he kicked 8 points in his debut he'll as well he'll start and Jamie will start that's guaranteed right so there's no doubt about that Grugan will start he's captain because he'll maybe link see, between that, those see two. this is where I, I would put Stephen Campbell and I okay. would put him in based, if you have to pick players based on performances then Rory Grugan doesn't make the team for me Right. And that's being honest, and, and I like Rory as a player. I think he's he's a great talent, and he he's another player that can pinpoint a pass. But he hasn't had his best season for Armagh. What do you think? What do you think McGinney will do rather than oh, what you would do? No, he, let's talk about what might right, potentially happen this Rory weekend. Rory Grugan's playing. Rory right, Grant, So R- Rory Grugan. This is where I'm trying to get at. So Rory Grugan will be playing out in front of Rian O'Neill and Jamie Clare. Yeah. Am I right? So Stephen Campbell will probably lose out. Is but that Stephen, fair? Ethan Rafferty is another player who's only coming back from injury. Started the last year as well. Centre forward the yeah. last day. Was brought off, brought back on. Is he going to be a starter this weekend? I, he's a huge presence as well and a, a, an influential player on his day. But Stephen Campbell, for me, is fitter and he's he's more, um, I suppose, inclined to be much sharper than what Ethan Rafferty is at the minute. And you have to have players that are at, 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 a, at a level above in terms of match sharpness than, than the players coming back from injury. And Stephen Campbell fits that there category down to it he at the minute now we'll be putting him in before maybe Ethan Rafferty or Rory Grugan but there's two opportun- uh, options there but Rory Grugan will be starting I know yeah it. there's I options and like also if Mernon did start Rian O'Neill would go number 11 and that would probably be the change there Like I mean, in an ideal world I'd love to see Rian O'Neill at 11 I think he's he's the one player that definitely can kick long range scores can pull the pull the um, strings for our man. Oh, he can get it down with the outside of the boot kick oh, passes down very absolutely. fast. Absolutely, and we've seen how effective his kick passing was. Yeah, to, to I, th- last I, th- year. I think they'll start with that. I think that was just too tasty for no, McGinley to go. This is a very the, serious match, and why yeah. are you holding Mernon in no, reserve for? What are you holding him in they reserve? They would for? start with it 
if Murnham was fit and yeah. I would go with that all day long listen in an ideal world my forward line for Armagh would be Oshin O'Neill Rain O'Neill Stephen Campbell Jimmy Clark Murnan and and um, I would have I would uh, love to be a halfback Aiden, against Aiden, your team Aiden, yeah, yeah. Aiden Nugent Aiden Nugent in there you know because I think Aiden Nugent he, he's an absolute clinical out and out uh, poacher so he is and the closer to goal the better he will be but you know, if he was playing off a player with the ability, the aerial threat of of Andrew Mernon, I think there would be goals galore in, in that yeah. forward line. So I think I think Mernon will start. Let's stick to what we think might happen. You think he won't start? I think Mernon will potentially start in beside uh, Jamie Clark, uh, Rory Grugan, Reno O'Neill left up. I think everybody else will be get, will be told they have to work all over the field, and I think they'll be they left up. I could be wrong on this, but I think if Mernon has had two weeks after coming on, that kind of thing crowns a player he'll play in-house matches the following uh, Tuesday or the following they'll probably have recovery Tuesday um, they won't do too much he'll do that session they'll play a match Thursday night they'll probably play an A versus B big one on the Sunday mm-hmm. and then he's back this week as well like for a role of full forward he doesn't need to have no. to be flying it you know I what I mean so I think he'll start no, my belief will be the forward line will be Jamar Hall Rory Grugan at 11 and Aidan Nugent at 12 inside then Stephen Campbell could replace Ethan Rafferty Right okay right well that's it so what do you think they're going to do with um, with uh, Garod McKiernan is Charlie Vernon seems to be perfect for him no he's got defe- he's got because obviously McKiernan plays midfield yeah. but also goes into <coughs> well, the full forward yeah, line Yeah exactly and, and there was talk I suppose leaving the, the pitch in Yuri the last day you know the high ball in put Armagh under severe pressure and Charlie has played a full back in the past so Charlie could be the man pinpointed to mark uh, Greg McKernan Greg McKernan is still a bigger man than Charlie Vernon um, he has a couple of inches on him yeah but he plays more on the ground McKernan doesn't he kind yeah, of like I mean he's not he's not necessarily a Kieran Donaghy type no, full forward no. when he goes in but he would still be a huge presence in there and cause severe problems if yeah. the right type of delivery was put into him yeah that's James Morgan, the man, maybe like if you if you want to keep Charlie. See, I thought free. He, he, no, he's going no, to have uh, to mark <coughs> Riley or McPhee. Yeah. Yeah. No, but he definitely James Morgan definitely starts yeah. the next day. He played very well. He, he, he done extremely well when he came on, and I was surprised somewhat that he didn't actually start the last year. Mm. But um, he done extremely well coming. So on. who do you think he'll pick up, Martin Riley or McPhee? I think they might leave um, Kennedy actually for Riley. You know, I thought he had a good debut last year. Um, really put his his opponent on the back foot, kicked a couple of good points. And Taylor he, you made know, for Shields to come in and look after yeah, Shields, Shields, Shields could do it as well Shields played really well coming off the bench and, and going back to your point that you made earlier on people would be concerned about um, the quality of, of subs coming off the Armagh bench I think Armagh's bench at the minute is really strong and they've got players that can come in and make an impact Shields particularly the last day um, got a goal um, he drives forward he's got a brilliant engine on him and, and gets back in defence as well um, as does you know J- James Morgan is an out and out defender but yeah. got up the field and kicked a brilliant point the last day out as well so you know who uh, who is going to be earmarked to mark these boys Shields could, if, he, if he does start could be the man to mark uh, Martin Riley if not I, I wouldn't have any fear in, in Kennedy going on him either I think James Morgan will pick up McVitie the reason that is is because McVitie spends most of his time in the full forward line and mm-hmm. he comes out yeah. a bit and Morgan <coughs> would obviously suit him better in there it's a difficult one for Armagh to deal with really because we know that McVitie Garod McKiernan and Galligan all interchange yeah. so with a team interchanging especially when it, they're their main men and you usually put man markers on their main men are you dragging your defence all over the place do you no, know what I mean really. Ar- Arne McKay plays further the field for his club and, and 
you know, only in his time with with Armagh and with St Mary's that have I ever seen him uh, move the full back. You know, he, he's normally he would normally be a half back, midfield, half forward type of player. So you know, if he starts a full back, which he will start a full back, and Galligan Galligan moves out the field, and Aaron McKay is more than likely to, to be able to follow him out there, and Charlie. Vernon will, will just adapt and, and go back in maybe Right okay so like it will be interesting to see what they do like I mean then again Armagh can't exactly be changing their whole defensive shape just to be following these lads but it did cause a lot of problems for Monaghan the way they moved out and yeah. moved back in and I don't think Monaghan knew whether they were coming or going Yeah should, should not be a bit more sophisticated in a sense that you have your defence and I know it's hard, but once these boys are coming into an attacking zone, then you, you're tagging them. Then, like. oh, I don't. Well, I don't like that. McKiernan's no. maybe because you don't want McKiernan running at you. Like, you sure, know, like, but, but then the whole thing you're running into his own, and then you double back and look for the ball. Yeah, I, I think what's always you know, worked that, best. That's for, very messy. What's always worked best for us in Armagh is you know a player has been tagged with the responsibility of marking a man wherever he goes in the pitch. You go with him. That's it. Yeah, you know, that has always been the best policy for me personally uh, within Armagh. I go back to our days with when Kieran McGinney. I remember a National League semi final against Mayo. He was asked to, to mark Kieran McDonald, and no matter where Kieran McDonald went in the field, Kieran McGinney had to follow him. That meant Kieran McGinney was dragged out the centre. So be it. Kieran McGinney got man the match in that game. You know right. that works best for Armagh when players are told your responsibility is this player wherever he goes, you mark him. That leaves less of I suppose a passing the buck. Um, option for the other players as well but I was meant to be marking him and I was covering this zone no you're told to mark that man you go with him wherever he goes simple yeah. as that yeah but that, again that's that's fine but then like, you know even if you're not passing the book you can just get taken on by one man and then the whole thing's opened up like you know if Gary McKiernan just takes on whoever's marking him if it comes down to a man v man and one v one situation, then I would have a lot of confidence in the Armagh one v one situations as well. I, think, then, I think the way the game has gone now and the way uh, teams are attacking with everyone and defending with everyone, even if it is a one v one game, it's a one v one game with twelve versus twelve in one half of yeah. the field. So, in that regard, I rem- remember back when I would have been playing wing back and it was six versus six in your half pretty much so if I'm playing left half back and my man is on the outside of me I might drop in and double up you know if if I think the other fella has him held up Mm -hmm. that it's not a a risk that when I run in he's going to kick it out if he's held up you'll run in now it's so easy to double up because there's so many bodies around you can leave your man and double up you know what I mean because whether you like it or not unless you're getting Rian O'Neill on a transition kind of on a turnover and he's launching a beautiful missile off the outside of his boot if you're working it through the hands by the time you get to the other 45 it's a, you're, hit, you're heading mm. towards a 12v12 situation isn't that the reality of pretty much every game yeah. you're watching now mm-hmm. but this is why you probably don't need more than 11 back you don't, like. but you don't need a full time sweeper anymore no. I don't think now maybe against Armagh at the weekend Cavan will use one because of the Rian O'Neill threat at 11 yeah. direct ball and we know Armagh liked that ball so yeah. it might it would pay for Cavan to play a full-time yeah. sweeper probably against uh, and they are that way inclined as well, well so well, minor, minor will definitely sweep anyway I'd say but you think he'll be the one yeah. doing that yeah but like if you're 12v12 inside the 45 or 11v11 it means there are players in the opposition team at the other side of the pitch like on the wing it's going to take 3, 4, 5 seconds to get the ball over to them and then you can shift over anyway so yeah. you don't need to be man-marking religiously when the ball's completely like 100 metres away from you yeah. you can shift over it as a zone together like. yeah no and I think they do that I think they do that but the obvious, obvious thing for Armagh 
this weekend from an attacking point of view is they're going to have the two lads inside potentially three and a sweeper will cover them and then they'll have a man outside the sweeper so it's mm. what this man outside the sweeper is able to do we saw last week with Cottle Craig he was the man on the outside of the two lads now Mayo played no sweeper at all but even if you play a sweeper you don't sweep in front of the the front man you sweep in front of the two man full forward yeah. line usually so whoever that link man is outside that I, I imagine it'll be Grugan maybe Rian O'Neill whoever can give good ball into the two yeah. lads when you can get the ball to them quickly then they can give tasty diagonal balls and the sweepers kind of run, that's, you know what I mean at sixes and sevens yeah. but it, it all depends on whether Armagh can keep that shape because if the fellow who's playing out in front of his man takes off down the field, sure he's pulled out. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's so easy to pull a team out of their of the shape that they want now. The way the game has gone. Yeah. So who do you have? I'm not too sure. It's very difficult one to. It's a very difficult one to call. Like I mean, Cavan played so well, and I don't think Armagh are a good matchup for Cavan. Like I mean, Cavan's system where they'll leave two forwards up and they'll just the mm-hmm. game will be very disorganised. They're up for the game. They're bloody in your face. They're they're. I don't know like I mean it's it's a really hard I've backed Armagh I ha- I think uh, Paddy Power have it at let me just check what the odds are I was going to leave this for uh, Paddy Power predictions the, uh, Paddy, the odd, Armagh 6-4 <laughs> Armagh 6-4 Cavan 8-11 yeah, I've, I've kind of vouched for Armagh early in this year and I'm not going to jump off jump off it now I think they have the forward line the whole question here is whether their forwards can be are going to be dragged too far out of shape that when they're dragged so far out there's yeah. too much of a disconnect between then it turns into a hand passing game I think Cavan win the hand passing game Absolutely, if, if yeah. Armagh can get their kick passing game going I think their forwards could do damage so I'm going to go with agree, Armagh but yeah. that's the way I see the I game I agree totally with that though when Armagh start fist, fa- fist passing the, the ball around it doesn't suit no. the style and, and the players that they have but when they kick long delivery uh, and, and support that play then they look very very effective so what type of um, style will they adapt what type of football are they allowed will, they, adapt, will yeah. they be allowed to play yeah. and you know given the fact that <clears throat> they are going as underdogs Kevin Argon and his favourites I, th- I think it's very much a 50-50 I wouldn't rule out a draw on this game I really wouldn't ok Conan are you going for a draw or you wouldn't rule it out <laughs> no I think I will go for a draw on this one I think I think both teams you know man for man are evenly matched yes I, I Armagh slightly probably better forwards but I think Cavan's rear guard is, is decent as well and they can definitely do a good job on them but uh, I will go for a draw on this one Yeah Martin Riley was so influential the last time um, Conan McVitie's such a good player like uh, uh, Cavan have those three forwards Riley, McVitie and they have Grode McKiernan and they're top top notch Now luckily for them Madden chipped in the last day and he had a yeah. really good game <coughs> and Murray on the wing uh, scored two as well so they got they got a little input from everybody Yeah now I do think Armagh's forward line is much stronger I think at midfield they'll break even um, and it's whether it's like I said I suppose to Stevie it's how whether Armagh can get a kicking game going whether Cavan allowed him Cavan are a better hand passing team yeah I, I'm sort of on the fence a little bit I think I'm going to lean towards Cavan to be honest mm-hmm. um, and I think I just think they might have a, a plan like you can see Faulkner just coming and ruining Rain O'Neill's day you know and just, just yeah, annoying the shit out of him they're like, very yeah. good defenders yeah. Kevin sticky and their system is sticky but they're big physical defenders too yeah strong and just pestering players like you know so I can just see them just having a, a plan that's going to just upset things that Armagh want to do I think Armagh if they have Mernon in reserve and even Campbell I know you want to see him starting Stevie but I, I love him coming off the bench because he won his own ball like difficult ball and he put it over himself and I think he'd be important for him coming off yeah. the bench but 
I, th- I think Calvin might might age it. Okay. If our if our man don't play in the Calvin's hands, in terms of the slow laboured approach, then they've definitely got a good chance. But if they put long ball in, it puts the Calvin rear guard under more pressure. Mm. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we we've got a Calvin, we've got an Armagh, and we've got a draw. So we're all one of us is going to be right, lads. Right, we'll come back with Paddy Power predictions. <laughs> Is the little dink fist pass from a crowded area into that D we're at home about where Bernard, I've talked to Bernard about Bernard's very patient. But this little dink ball, you know the one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest and there's consternation then in around the D and around that area. Watch for this in the semis in the final. Do you know the one I'm talking about? That little fisted ball that's just bounced in a, in a crowded area but it gets to the, the yeah, body. Yeah, you, you have said it three times. It's in around it. But you're looking at me. You're <laughs> looking well, at me. Well, a crowded area, isn't exactly. it? You're looking at me with such a confused, <laughs> a confused head in you. It's like I was talking about you trying to get a pointing coppers or something there in a crowded area yeah watch for it so we'll start off with Clare uh, versus Kerry so they did a very nice thing and they put this on the exact time as the Champions League final Stevie so there's no <laughs> chance you're going to Cusick Park and if it was on the television there'd be no chance you'd be watching it <laughs> <laughs> so absolute no chance guaranteed I might, I might flick it over at half time to get an update but that's about it it's a disgrace on a GEA podcast <laughs> you, listen, you could be getting your P45 now like your man asked you like you talk so about Everton often enough here <laughs> I do and I use a lot of soccer and, and, and uh, analogies analogies um, right so Paddy Power of Clare at 16 to 1 Carrier 1 to 13 the handicap here is 13 points good news for Clare's David Tuberty is back and he made a huge um, difference uh, he makes a huge difference to Clare to their forward line they were very very unimpressive against um, Waterford like they've played Kerry f- in 5 of the last 6 years and they've always lost but interestingly, the average winning margin has been 11, 11 points. But the two games in Ennis in 2014-2017 were far closer than the ones in Killarney. Um, and the ones Kerry scored four and six point victories in Cusick Park and 12 and 22 point thumpings in Killarney. So like, I mean, the handicap's at 13. I'm, I'm vouching for Clare to going for Clare to beat the beat t- plus again, the 13 yeah. only because Cusick Park is a little bit of a, a fortress for Clare it's a hard place to go they might be able to get more hits in on, on Kerry um, I think that Kerry definitely Peter Kane has been talking about them not being physically like this is the thing they're able to hammer Clare last year now the talk is that Kerry aren't physically able and Mayo bullied them and Clare are a big physical team and now all of a sudden is Peter Keane almost telling teams to physically dominate us yeah well Clare do have a big presence around midfield with Gary Brandon as well and probably on his day one of the best midfielders in the country so you know he's probably looking at players to get there and saying how can we cope with these type of players but you know for me yes I do agree with you um, I do think Clare will beat the handicap Clare also from my knowledge have a wee bit of uh, insight into Kerry and the backroom team as well Declan O'Keefe is involved in their backroom team so um, you know he will provide some I suppose uh, feedback to, to um, Colm Collins as well to help Clare get a wee bit step, uh, a step closer to Kerry but ultimately you know it's going to come down to the class wins out in the end and, oh, the and class, Kerry, yeah. Kerry's class will certainly see the game out but I do think they'll beat the handicap It'll be interesting to see whether Peter Keane sticks to his young players because we know that so many players made their debuts last year 
And now, based on the league, that their goalkeeper Shane Ryan, Graham O'Sullivan in defence, midfielder Dermot O'Connor, half forwards Darren Minehan and Gavin O'Brien, there's five more that are due to make their championship debuts. Yeah. So, with five new championship debuts on top of all the championship debuts that were given out last year, like is that a bit too much? <sighs> They're all good players, though, aren't They're they? All good players, but I don't, I don't know. I still think your first choice midfield would be um, David Moran. And um, Jack Barry, Jack Barry, yeah. 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 I think he likes O'Connor just because he obviously gives him that, that energy and that athleticism. Yeah, uh, was his quote was he comparing Dermot O'Connor with Tade Noche? Yeah, yeah. Was it? I thought that was very convenient. Like, I was thinking, well, why don't you compare Fergal Boland with Tommy Walsh? Sure, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. And yeah. I don't think that's fair even to get into their heads. Dermot O'Connor, yeah. you, you're not a match for him. He might, Dermot O'Connor has to believe he's a match for Aidan O'Shea. Like, I mean, whether he is or not, mm-hmm. Jack Barry, anyway, should pair off against Aidan O'Shea because <laughs> yeah. he's a physical match yeah. so I thought that was a weird comparison it was almost a little bit defeatist ah we're too that's young yeah. stop I, I don't think that's young. the they've message w- they've won multiple All-Irelands at minor level they're not too young these but boys are serial winners I'm talking about the message though yeah, it's yeah, not I know that but Peter Keane was over the, those minor teams as well so I, I think he you know these boys know how Peter Keane um, work and, and they'll not buy too much into that to be honest yeah maybe not maybe not yeah. it'll, be inter- it'll be interesting to see obviously the big problem and this is very similar analysis to a lot of matches lads because in the league final the Kerry were playing uh, three men up front right and a three man full forward line and they were all playing an orthodox three man mm. full forward line with their whole half forward line pulled out of space so there were completely a huge disconnect that when they looked up it was too far to be kicking so then they're working it through the hands and then Mayo are back yeah. so like I mean the obvious analysis and Ross Common did it is they played a link man on the 45 yeah. and that linked between the two why are teams every, not every team needs a link man so you why cannot are, why forget are not doing about it, the half forward line. It, it makes no mm. sense right so no the half forward line is difficult because they're all tracking men yeah. right and they have to b- give an honest uh, uh, effort to get after them or else because half backs are too dangerous well, to let from go time to time no, half forward can cheat. So the point, but I don't think half forwards can cheat. I think full f- <coughs> full forward lines can cheat. Yeah. I think half forward lines too dangerous. Half backs are too dangerous. But in the league final, it was interesting. Tommy Griffin went running in, talked to David Clifford, and they used him as the link on the forty-five. Now he's not the link man, no. but they at least they identified that Jesus Christ, we're you know we're having to work everything, and it's going to be Armagh's problem at the weekend as well. Can you get that link man on the forty-five? And, and allow him to stay there because feckin' defenders are are dragging him out of that position now your game plan is screwed your good kicking game is gone yeah. Carrier like Armagh their number one game is a kicking game they're mm-hmm. not good at these disorganised hand passing games and there you go like if I was the clear manager even they like to play more of an orthodox format I'd be telling my half back line get out attack at all costs get them out of position and maybe you might leave one sweeper back in front of the three men full forward line and now yeah. Kerry have to work everything through the hands do you know yeah I, I, I don't like three up top anyway even if you were playing six forwards out and out forwards I don't think three full forwards help each other you're just dragging another defender and you're taking up each other's space and but like there's different ways of playing three up top yeah. you can play triangles you can play three in, in ah, like you, four four or you can play three in a line or whatever. Ah, no, yeah, I, I understand that, that there but um, he's talking about I, 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 I would be I'd be of the same opinion I like two men playing close to each other where there is still space a lot of space mm. in there and maybe one sitting out and dropping out a wee bit and teams players have to take that 
responsibility on themselves. They don't need a Tommy Griffin running in off the pitch to see that there's no outlet there in the half forward line. Players should see, right, how are we going to get the ball into the full forward line? I should be out there. Yeah, but when yeah. you're Clifford, Tommy Walsh or McCarthy, like... Yeah, but take it in turns. I think McCarthy had been taken off at that stage. He was doing it. Right. And then I think Paul Geeney came on maybe and then they were wondering who's even able to do this job. Do well, you know? if, Gooch was, if Gooch was playing on that full forward line, you think he'd let that happen? He would have drifted out himself. No, he would have told somebody else to go no, in. No, he would have drifted out himself. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt. But yeah, someone Good players, ha- you know, identify these type of problems and come up with a solution and, and go and do it and I that's do, it I do think so that somebody probably should have drifted out and that's fair enough if they're young players maybe they weren't sure in or comfortable in their boots to be able Possibly. to do to, but I do feel that I know what you're saying about the three man full forward line but I remember seeing Kerry play Kildare and they hammered them one day in Croke Park and Kildare were playing a sweeper and Kerry played three men in behind the sweeper Sure, the sweeper didn't know where to cover. Yeah. Yeah. He was just because uh, with a two man full forward line, there's loads of space either side. So the sweeper will cover the side that the ball is coming down. But with the three man, it's not as easy to do that because they're interchanging behind you and there's three different men to cover. So if you go try to cover one side completely, you're not yeah. sweeping over two men. Do you mm-hmm. know that kind of way? So I think there is a, an advantage to playing three men in there. But again, yeah. can they be left in there? And most importantly, can your man outside them now you have to have four forwards not many teams want to leave four forwards most teams are liking to defend or like to defend with 12 players and leave three up Mm -hmm. a lot of them are doing two up now for me that's brain dead because there's too much of a disconnect that Ross Common showed analysis we've been doing here loads of times you need that link now maybe teams will be leaving a link. I'd like to leave. T- I'd leave two outside yeah. myself. I'd go two and two. Needs that to be would two be and two. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or like, was it Mayo over doing one and two when they beat Kerry in that <coughs> semi final? That was Doherty yeah. out in front of O'Connor and Morin. It's not like it's never been done before. Yeah, no. This but, is but the one and two for me. The one you know has a serious amount of work to be going through. He does. That's, why, a, that's why two and two definitely works a lot. Better. Two and two works together. Now yeah. again, would Cavan allow the two outside, or will they allow it? Will they just say yeah. take off, get these lads out of there? Like I think these corner back that's their tactics lads do you see them they're taking off for yeah. no reason so that's the full back line I think have a very a can cheat I think if you're on the 45 Stevie you can't let your man go it's too it's too dangerous for me I, if I was on the 45 and I cheated and it didn't work out you look for, if, well, you're on the you, full if, fo- if you're on the full forward line I think you've more of an argument to say look you know what I mean there's enough back there but yeah. on the half back I line, understand I don't that there but if you've got a kicking team like Armagh or, or like Kerry or whatever it may be and if they turn the ball over look up the field spotted Jimmy Clark cheating on the half forward line put yeah. the ball in direct then it makes your opponent think twice about going forward and breaking Paul, forward like that Paul Flynn made a good point on that and I take your point is that he said those turnovers don't happen anymore that they're all all teams are too smart on the ball now that the idea that you just let your man go and then all of a sudden it's turned down and you're waving your hands free like the old days he said <laughs> the teams just don't kick it away so you don't get that now the only benefit to cheating like that is that your man will take off he might not get on the ball and he runs back to you and he's tired so yeah. now you run the shit out of him you know that's the benefit of it it's not really the benefit that the turnover is going to make this lad look like an Egypt because it's it, they're just too clever mm-hmm. in possession all the teams now you know you'll end up standing there for a long time if there's a stalemate yeah. at the other end you know so I find all that interesting it definitely is interesting um, Cork Limerick lads oh who are we going for here are we all going for Clare plus 13 at home I think so yeah me and Stevie are anyway Conan what about you uh, no I'm going to go with Kerry Kerry to, to hammer them yeah. alright ok Kerry are 1 to 80 so Cork and Limerick lads Cork are 1 to 12 Limerick are 15 to 2 um, Cork have made 3 debut debutants have made 3 debuts have made 3 have trade handed 3 debuts 
handed three debuts <laughs> too have three debutants <laughs> right so recording. Nathan Walsh Liam O'Donovan and Owen McSweeney um, so they've actually picked their team so um, full forward line looks dangerous Paul Kerrigan Brian Hurley and Mark Collins um, is pretty probably the standout line on the on the team Luke Connolly's not starting I'm not sure if he's injured or what's the story um, we know about Cork lads their confidence is on the floor Limerick are coming off a great win against Tipperary we won't spend too much time yeah. um, on this one who do we fancy here? Well if you if Tipperary were playing Cork you'd fancy Tipperary you know so if Limerick can replicate their performance against Tipperary which it'll be quite difficult for them to do but if they can then they've got a chance but <clears throat> even though Cork are the most frustrating county out there they're the most frustrating team um, I still think that even though their confidence is on the ground as well they'll come out with a comfortable victory here Conan Limerick will never ever have a better chance of making the Munster final yeah. they've made a few beaten division yeah. and they've beaten Cork this, too this Limerick team um, this Limerick team no okay. beaten um, yeah, probably shouldn't have said never ever <laughs> ever <laughs> um, division 3 Cork now but yeah obviously like Ian Corbett he sort of came to their uh, attentions and, and their hearts there the last love game. him yeah. love him class player but um, I think Cork still will have too much for him yeah me too I think Cork will win this one as well um, I'm not going to be going near handicaps or anything like that though because like we said Cork aren't all that trustworthy the last one this weekend lads is Longford and Kildare this is in O'Connor Park an absolute classic the last time uh, Longford are still 9-4 to four, despite their brilliant performance at Kildare 1-2 <clears throat> I don't know if Kildare um kind of slight similarities with Armagh in that you kind of like them as a team but they bloody annoy you because they're, t- yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're inconsistent and you can't trust them and definitely this year I'm not sure everything is rosy in that garden um, to go 8 points up on Longford and then let be pegged back and be up they were 4-0 up at the start and kind of come back to flatter to deceive Kildare unbelievable and like I mean they play a nice brand of football but they definitely concede a lot of scores yeah. and Longford uh, James McGivney and these fellas even though it's nowhere near their best team um, they were able to clean up still fancy Kildare uh, the defender or the favourites in the replay usually win yeah. interestingly David Highland full back scored four points the last day right and one of them was a mark now I didn't see this game so usually we're used to a mark in the league <laughs> being an offensive mark so this fella caught a ball obviously from a kick out in between the two forty fives, and because the wind was so strong in O'Connor Park, I was there. He obviously just caught it, got his mark, and kicked the point. I've, ne- <laughs> I've never heard of that happening Sorry. before. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Put your best kickers out now to try and win kickers. But isn't yeah. that really? That's the modern game, and I'm Route against one. this. I'm against this. Fullback scored four points. It's wrong. It's not right. No, I'm serious. <laughs> I don't like that. And I strongly favour fullback lines and full forward lines being told they cannot come outside. Because again these attacking cornerbacks are messing up the shape of good footballing teams but full and I don't ba- like yeah, that fullbacks have to have a, an element of enjoyment in playing the game as well you know oh, so you know, if you're restricting no, them to play no, in a certain enjoyment, zone defender, defenders enjoyment come from defending that's I, the, I the different mentality that, to you yeah but not not the modern day defender you know you've got to well I don't like the way defending's yeah, going then Stevie because if you're if, if fullback lines are getting trills out of scoring points will you listen to this analysis now we're talking about Kerry Armagh good footballing teams to want to play a kick and, a kick and stop are potentially not being allowed to do it because their full forward lines are being dragged out by full by attacking full back lines. That's not right for the game as a mm-hmm. spectacle. 
Do you agree? Or yeah, disagree? but I think we talked like that's the manager's fault. Then just keep the full forward line in there. Like and let <laughs> let us have yeah. something to kick. Yeah. But uh, David Highland, I, I know your point. I now still, I'd say David Highland followed his man out. Yeah. As yeah. Well. So wh- why that's is the Kildare full forward not cheating there? <coughs> the Longford, Longford, Longford full forward. Yeah. Yeah. But, but four points is a lot. Like you know, one point I can see your point. A bit four points is sensational. Yeah. I, I've never scored that from wing back. Like, you know, like so that's not cheating and nicking a little point and running back celebrating. Yeah. That's somebody dominating the game and winning a mark and. Yeah, you'd be saying to whoever who's fallen out, get back in there. <laughs> this man's just scored a mark and stuck yeah. it over the bar. What do we think here? So, uh, Stevie, um, we'll start with you there. No, listen, um, the favourite always wins second day out. And even Doesn't me- always now. Yeah, but <laughs> 90% of the time. And even without the, the four-point return of their possible full-back, again, you know, I still think Kildare had too much to say. Favourite always wins second day. Kildare, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll go with Kildare as well. I think they, w- they will win. Um, they're a better team. And I think that we, we talked the last day, Longford were completely decimated. Eight starters not playing. They got a great, great kick with a really long, uh, really strong wind. And Kildare, that bit flaky. But Jesus, surely Kildare will, if Kildare can't beat Longford the next day, then you'd pray for them against Dublin and Crow <laughs> Park. Yeah. Um, right listen that's it lads best of luck this weekend Stevie let's hope you can do it just because my tip will be right then it's Armagh or Liverpool Armagh Liverpool <laughs> Jesus Armagh I, I thought you were right. talking about Liverpool oh, if they win that Champions League I'll vomit ah, now they're go- I know they're going to I'm, pr- I'm mentally preparing oh, myself I'm glad for this. to hear you say that well I am um, I've got a Masters game this Saturday at 1 o'clock in Newbridge in the county grounds really excited about that and we're going on the beer after that now so I'll be jarred by seven so I don't care I'll you be care, numbed yeah. I'll be numbed <laughs> to the pain of this but win or lose we're on the booth I think that I think that this Liverpool tradition in a final I don't give Spurs any chance really like I mean it does count for a lot I don't I don't will we analyse the Champions yeah. League <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andy on Robertson the GA show all the time. Robertson yeah, yeah well, I think disgraceful I, tactics I from their full backs <laughs> I think Ericsson should cheat we're <laughs> 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 leaving it there right we'll be back with Patrick from Paddy Power Okay, Patrick, welcome to the football show. Thanks very much, Colin. Um, so we'll start with my accumulator. What have we got and what boost have you given my my um, accumulator? Yeah, we'll be a bit more generous in this now than we were in the Hurland, but um, we have Cork, Kildare, Clare plus 13 and Armagh all to win. So that was 13 to 2. We're going to go 15 to 2 on that uh, four-folder. Okay, very good. So that's, uh, that's that accumulator. Obviously, it's 50 euros for charity for the Samaritans if that wins. So fingers crossed it will. Um, we want to start... Uh, do you know where I'll start with, which is a result that's on that? The two that are on that. Armagh to beat Cavan, which is a big call. Well, not a huge call, but they're six to four outsiders. And Clare plus 13. So we'll start with Cavan, Armagh. Um, anyways, what do, you, what do you have here? Yeah, um, we actually have a couple of specials uh, on Sunday as well. So Kildare and Cavan both to win. We'll go 13 to eight on that. And um, Kerry and Cork both to win by 10 or more on Saturday night. That was 12 to five. We're going to go 11 to four on that for okay. anyone uh, who wants to take advantage of that. Kevin Armagh is an interesting one. Um, it looks like it's going to be kind of, uh, the weather isn't going to be that great as far as I know um, over the weekend. I think it might kind of calm down on Sunday evening, but it looks like it could be a slippy enough kind of a day. And I thought if the points were going to be kind of low, that it was going to play into Cavan's favour. Um, the draw looks a bit of a runner as well at 15-2. to two. I don't think there's going to be a lot in this. Um, even a red card as well. We've red card on site there at 11-10. to 10. Uh, It's definitely going to be a slippy enough kind of a day. And there's, there's, there's enough fellas on both sides that are going to try and get themselves into a small bit of trouble, I'd say, there. So, so you, you factor the weather forecast into the odds, definitely, do yeah, you? Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. 
even though on a Wednesday, Thursday, you can't be quite sure of what the weather is going to be like. That's it, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, you're kind of like an amateur weather forecaster, really, when you're trying to look at these ads as well. You're looking a couple of days into the future, but it looks like it's going to be a slippy enough kind of a day. It's going to be interesting to see as well about uh, the matchups, and this is going to really tell a huge amount. Um, Porg Faulkner was really, really good against uh, against Monaghan, so it's going to be very interesting to see. He'll probably pick up Jamie Clark, but I wouldn't be surprised seeing him follow around Rian O'Neill as well, considering how uh, influential O'Neill was um, in the down game as well. Um, yeah, it's a, I, I think the draw is a really good. It, it's it's a fair big runner, I think, and I think Garage McKiernan as well. If you wanted to back a first goal score, he's fourteen to one for first goal. McFeety played full forward the last day, but what you're going to see with McKiernan here, I'd say, is making those thundering runs. He's a really really strong runner and he's a good finisher as well. So fourteen to one is very fair about him. I think. Yeah, okay, that's very good. And Kerry or Clare plus thirteen, so Clare have been hammered in Killarney but they have put in a very good show in Cusick Park against Kerry so I'm fancy them to maybe beat the plus 13 what do you think of yeah, that? Yeah definitely they only lost by 6-2 years ago and obviously Cusick Park is a big advantage to them but I'd just be a little bit worried for Clare in the sense that Keelan Sexton is gone He's gone Tuberty's back Tuberty is back that's right um, and they've Jamie Malone as well who's a real threat as well Like he looks a really really good footballer yeah. too uh, the only thing I would worry about is regardless of how defensive they were you really want to be to have any chance of staying anywhere close to Kerry. You have to be beating Watford by a hell of a lot more than they did, and the fact that they were held scoreless for over half an hour wouldn't fill me with that much confidence, to be honest. Um, these Kerry young fellas as well, like when you look at Sean O'Shea and you look at um, David Clifford coming in, they're really, really used to putting up huge, massive scores. So I can see, like they put up thirty-three points last year. It is in Ennis, but Clare are going to have to score a lot to stay in within the thirteen. And I think Kerry are kind of going to hit a mark of twenty-five, twenty-six. I would say handy enough considering the firepower they have. You know? Yeah. Okay. Listen, great stuff, Patrick. Thanks very much. Um, we'll be back on Monday with a review show as usual, even though it's a bank holiday. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. Yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f-ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f-ing houses for f-ing 10 years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.